in that song, you already heard a lot of the message today. Would you bow your heads with me, Jesus? We give you permission to enter our hearts today. It's easy to be distracted. We give you permission to speak to us today. It's easy not to listen. We give you permission to direct and guide us because it's easy to disobey, but we want to obey. Will you encourage us through your word today? Open our eyes to the truths of your word. Not just so that we have a mental understanding, but we have a spiritual understanding, an emotional understanding, that our very being gets exactly what it is you want to teach us today so that it changes us. I pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Good to have you all here this morning. We're continuing on with our series, A Christmas. And this, this one's entitled Christmas Bliss. Uh, if you have a smartphone, you can pull your smartphone out, go to the app on the smartphone. I'm not patting my butt for any other reason than I have my phone here. I wanted to make sure you knew that. And then, or pull out your sermon notes, follow along with us. In 2014, there was a woman who was on vacation in Iceland. I always get Iceland and Greenland and all those other places messed up. But she was on vacation. They formed a search party. They found her when they found that she was in the search party looking for herself. She didn't know she was lost. She heard that there was a search party. Somebody was lost. She's on vacation. She says, I'll just join the search party. And before you know it, they find out, oh, we're looking for you. Oh, here I am. Have any of you ever had a child go up missing for any length of time? We have. We found them. (laughs) I mean, it is pure panic. Pure panic. It's just like, where are they at? Where are they doing? You're, 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 you're just a flat-out panic until you find them. And you are literally oblivious to everything else until you find them. And then when you find them, there's so much, if I could use the word bliss, joy. There's so much of that that you're oblivious to anything else, any of your problem you might have. Take a look in your notes there. I have the definition for bliss as we'll take a look at it. Two different blisses. Number one, this is perfect happiness. The second definition is to reach a state of perfect happiness, Now, I like this part, typically as to be oblivious of everything else. Right? You, you find your child, you are so happy, you're oblivious to everything else. You have your first child, you're oblivious to everything else. You're full of joy and happiness. You get the call for that job. You're oblivious to how much in debt you are. And the problem that somebody has in your family is sickness. There are different gifts that are given and received, maybe as a child, and you'll experience this, this in a couple days, and, or you'll provide it for a child, where they are oblivious to every other problem. Maybe they're getting picked on in school, but Christmas morning they become oblivious because they get that little taste of that bliss, a little taste of that bliss. I want to talk to you today about the ups and the downs, right? Wouldn't it be nice if we had a lot more ups than downs? And I hope that that's it. Wouldn't it be nice if there was never any downs? If you're a Christian, you kind of know what that phrase, the mountaintop experience is like, you know? Peter is, uh, and uh, James, uh, they're, they're up with Jesus on the mountaintop of transfiguration, and they're having so much fun. 
You know, there's uh, appearances uh, of Moses and, and Elijah, and Peter's just like, can't we just have a housing complex here? Can't we just, why don't we just have, let's just put up some condos here for a while, you know? They just don't ever want to go down for them. But the truth of the matter is, is some of the ups and downs in life, you don't have any control over. I don't have any control over. If the economy does what it does, did in 2008, well, how much control did you have of it? But it affected you. And it affected you, it affected me, it affected so many different people. If somebody makes a bad choice, it could very well affect you. We all have family, we all have friends, you know, relationships. Sometimes the ups and the downs, don't, we don't really have a handle on, and, and we enjoy some of them. But I would just like to point out to you today, I think something that the Lord showed me. In this life, we get little bits of bliss pointing to what we will have forever. On this earth, we experience little bits of bliss. Let me just talk to you about three of them that we find in the story of, of Mary and Joseph and the angel. I have Matthew 1 there in your notes, uh, verse 18. Let me just, this kind of sets up what I want to talk to you about today. This is how the birth of Jesus the Messiah came about. His mother Mary was pledged to be married to Joseph. But before they came together, she was found to be pregnant through the Holy Spirit because Joseph, her husband, was faithful to the law. That says everything about his walk with God. He was faithful to the law. He believed, he trusted his God, and yet he didn't want to expose her to public disgrace, which is really what the law had intended. He had in mind to divorce her quietly. Can I talk to you about three different little tastes of bliss that almost everybody here, you enjoy? The purpose being to get a little taste of eternity so that it gets planted inside of you and me that there is a real place called eternity. People say, how, how do you know eternity exists? I think because of a couple things we'll talk about today. Number one, how about angels in our midst? How about angels in our midst? Angels are in our midst, mostly unseen, but at certain times, if you go through the scriptures, seen and different things like that. I want to teach you today something that you probably know, but I want to be careful. I want to be careful I don't take you or support something that you may believe that is unbiblical. Number one, when you die, you do not become an angel. And I know the, it's a real popular, but when an angel gets its wings, they, they, you know, they, they, they don't, a bell isn't rung for that. You don't want to be an angel. The Bible says angels long to look into, the, look into the salvation you have. We are made in God's image. They were not. We have something through salvation of Jesus Christ that we get and we receive that they do not get. So I want you to be careful if somebody you know has passed away, they're, they're not an angel. But let's take a look at what uh, it, it does say. Verse 20, but after Joseph had considered this, right, he's going he's gonna to divorce her quietly, an angel of the Lord appeared to him in a dream and said, Joseph, son of David. And the reason that he used the wording that he used, it's kind of like when I'm in trouble sometimes. My mom says, Richard Evan Nunnally. All of my name, all of my titles, because my first name is Richard. Many of you don't know that. My sister knows that over there. You know, he's wanting his attention, and he's calling to mind. Maybe somebody hasn't told you for a while, Joseph, but the Messiah is coming from the line of David, and you're of that line. 
Joseph, son of David, do not be afraid to take Mary home as your wife because what is conceived in her is from the Holy Spirit. Now, why did an angel appear to Joseph? Joseph was being asked to do something that seemed to go against what Joseph was taught his entire life. This was going to be something different. This was going to be something that he's like, you know, in regards to purity, in regards to sex outside of men, in regards to all of those things, Joseph knew what to do according to the law. He was being asked. So an angel comes to speak to him, to guide him. The angel guided Joseph into God's will. And in two, well, you'll see here in a minute, the fulfillment of a 1,500-year-old, 1,700-year-old prophecy. Joseph's decision was what God would normally want. It was like, really? This is what you want me to do? The angel's there to help. Look at Hebrews, the first chapter. If you look at Hebrews, the first chapter, and you look at Hebrews, the last chapter, you learn several different things. I'm not going to get into all of it. But Hebrews 1.14 gives us one of the things that an angel is there for. Are not all angels ministering spirits sent to serve those who will inherit salvation? You see the purpose of what the Bible says an angel is for? You don't become an angel. An angel is here to serve those as a ministering spirit for the condition is those who are going to receive salvation. I don't know how much an angel plays in the role in the life of somebody who's not a believer. I'm not going to go there this morning, but I want to talk to you today about the fact that if you're a Christian, our goal and our focus is on Jesus Christ through the Holy Spirit. But in and around us, according to the Scriptures, we get an opportunity to have angels minister on our behalf. We don't pray to them, we don't seek them, we don't worship them. But there are angels among us on earth, and I don't know what they do, for, like I said, for unbelievers, but if you're saved, if you're a Christian, if you're serving Jesus Christ, they're there to assist and to help. What is it, Matthew 18, where Jesus says that the, the face of the angels of these little ones is before the Father all the time? It's either Matthew or Luke. I have two of the godliest Christian women that I know who told me a story about traveling to New York. Traveling to New York to see family. They had borrowed somebody's vehicle. Uh, it was a van. And they got a flat tire. And these two ladies are like, what are we going to do? We're in New York. You know, New York's known for chewing people up, spitting them out, and just walking by. But some guy came by. Some guy came by who was dressed up, looking good. He said, uh, can I help you ladies? He said, yeah, let me do it. He starts in his good clothes. He knows where the tire is because if you don't know this, they, could, they open the trunk, they're looking for the tire. The tire is up underneath, you know, screwed up underneath the bottom of it. He pops it down, uh, it, it changes everything. They tried to give him money. They tried to, no thanks, just, just take it, you know, no problem. As he was leaving, the, you're all dressed up. He said, well, he was on his way to a date. He had had a date. Now, they talked to me, and I trust these girls. They, I don't know if they were angels, but they said, Evan, there was just some different aura about this guy. And is it possible when he said he had a date, if he was a ministering spirit, that he had a date with them to change their spare tire? I don't know. But I want to say to you, the Scripture is real, and it's true. There are ministering angels. We get little bits of what will happen for eternity felt out on this earth. The last chapter of Hebrews 13, 2 says, Do not forget to show hospitality to strangers, for by so doing some people have shown hospitality to angels without knowing it. 
One of the reasons that this church has to have a, hospi- a spirit of hospitality is while we don't always care about each other and when we don't talk about each other, we're not concerned about each other first thing. One of the reasons we think about others first, we have eyes for visitors, is because we don't want to become one of those churches. I got a phone call from somebody who had visited church and said they were just greeted just wonderfully. She said one of the things she looks for is how she's greeted when she comes into church. That's what we have to make sure we stay right? Every, I may forget to say it, but every time after service, we have a two-minute rule, right? Don't say hi to anybody you know for two minutes. Find somebody. Don't get in your little clicks. Find somebody that looks new, lost, or whatever it might be. Help them. Get them a gift, whatever it might be. Buy them a free donut. A little taste of heavenly bliss. Joseph experiences an angel. The passage of Scripture says, you know, we experience angels. Uh, has it ever been so that we have experienced an angel and give hospitality to somebody wherever it is you go. We have our eyes open. Sometimes you've given hospitality to angels and you didn't even know it. Is it possible that an angel visits or is over our church? I think biblically I can say to you that's true. If you go to the book of Revelation, you look up chapter 2 and 3, there are seven churches that are mentioned that existed in that day and time And as we look at all seven of those churches, we can find something about those churches in our day and age that we want to be like and we don't want to be like. But all seven of those churches, it opens up and it says this, quote, to the angel of the church in Ephesus, write. To the angel of the church of Smyrna, write. To the angel of the church of Philadelphia, write. God has his protective angels at work serving and ministering in and amongst us in and amongst our church. Angels are ever present, uh, ever present in the God's temple right now. You open the scriptures, you see that. And if they're present there and they're present here for us, don't we get a little bit of a taste of heavenly bliss? Tastes here and there. Sample, a little bit. It's not ongoing as much as we would like it to be, but just a little bit of taste to let you know eternity. It's in our soul. It's in our heart. The main message constantly to Joseph and so many angels is don't be afraid because fear is the opposite of bliss. Now, what is it that you may have come here with? Christmas has intensified your fear or your problems or your difficulties. I know that. I understand that more and more. It's intensified it. It's caused things, unco- you know, it just doesn't come any other time of year. The, can't you just sense the Spirit of the Lord? So it said to Joseph, hey, do not be afraid. Angels, they are in God's presence right now. Angels are in our presence right now. Joseph received a little bit of heavenly bliss. And so do you and I receive a little bit of heavenly bliss as they minister to you and to me on this earth. We don't look for them. We don't worship them. But they are there, and the Scripture tells us they are there for a reason. Turn your notes over. Number two, Christmas bliss. Angels are in our midst. We learn this from Joseph, from the Christmas story. Number two, there's a cleansing that is in our midst. You know, I don't know, really know why it is that we are just drawn to like things that are clean. I mean, we like things clean rather than things dirty, right, right? You know, a little boy that's getting ready to go out on a date, you know, he's got to be told. If, he, if, he's, you know, if you're going out, you're going to see a little girl, whatever it is, put some deodorant on. Don't overdo the aftershave. Make sure you take a shower. After a while, we get it, you know, because, you know, when girls we go out with hold their nose, like, man, you stink. I mean, why is it that you go out to eat and if you find a fly in your soup, you're like, woohoo, extra food. 
Why is it you're out to eat and yet you, you, all of a sudden you got a, a hair in your mouth? You're pulling a hair out of your mouth. Yeah, the gag reflex, it just kind of kicks in. Why is it that we like cleanliness and cleanness? And I want to say to you, do we like cleanliness when it comes to our soul? Take a look at this passage of Scripture. Maybe you know this. It's just one verse. Here's the angel going on talking, verse 21. She, meaning Mary, she's going to give birth to a son, and you are to give him the name Jesus. Because he will save his people from their sins. Now, if you could just underline, he will save, and underline the word from in your notes there, in your Bible, whatever it is. Because Jesus, in the Greek, is Jesus. In, in the Hebrew, it's Joshua. But in both places, the word simply means he saves. Jesus. That's why they were told, give the name Jesus so they know he's going to come and save. And, of course, we know that. For some reason, though, Christians don't think Jesus is able to save us and to cleanse us from our sins. For some reason, we have grappled on to an ongoing truth that is taught in a lot of different places. You live in this life, you're going to sin. You sin every day in word, thought, and deed. I go on and on and on, and people teach it all the time. And I think their definition of sin is not biblical. But if He came to save us from our sins, there's people that think, well, it's just kind of like a covering over. You're still sinning, but, you know, God doesn't see it. I challenge anybody to find, do you find that to be biblical? Jesus, he, he gives us, now that he has paid for us, he gives us the Holy Spirit, and somehow or another we don't think we can live holy. There isn't a person who believes that we receive the Holy Spirit that says, say, well, what did he receive him for? He wasn't the normal spirit. He wasn't the dirty spirit. He wasn't the human spirit. Oh, I've received the Holy Spirit. The Bible says we receive the Holy Spirit. So how are we supposed to live? What's he supposed to help us do? Live holy, which means without sin. If that hasn't convinced you, look at the word apo. Look at the word from. It is the word A-P-O. You know, things that were taught in just a little bit of a word study here today. Here's the definition of apo. Of any kind of separation of one thing from another. Let's just pause there just for a second. Jesus came, give his name Jesus, because he came to oppo people from their sins, to save them from, separate them from their sins. By which, look at the definition, the union or fellowship of the two is destroyed. I didn't use the word. The writer, John, wrote the word, knowing what exactly what Jesus Christ had come to do. It is separated, no, no longer having to be together. It's always interesting, you know, when, when a child is born, uh, in the womb, the child is connected. The child is inside and protected physically in every way, the umbilical cord. But when it comes out, it's no longer separate. It's no longer connected. It is oppoed from the body. The umbilical cord is cut. They live separate and outside. And the word oppo means to come and to separate. When Jesus was crucified on the cross, he made a way for us to crucify the sinful nature. That's what you read in the book of Romans. We can crucify the sinful nature. How is it that we can believe so much about what the Scripture says, but when it comes along and it says, you know, that you can be cleansed, somehow we just think, are we looking for an excuse to go on uh, sinning? Or do we experience a little bit of heaven 
by claiming and getting victory over certain things that used to defeat us. We become a Christian. We no longer lie because the Holy Spirit now checks us. Don't lie. Don't cheat. When, you, when, when temptation comes, now we're not only on our own. Now we know what temptation is. We didn't even think about it before. But now that help of the Spirit helps me resist temptation. And I walk in a little bit of heavenly victory and bliss. A little taste on this earth of a cleansing that will last forever. But it is a prerequisite to getting into heaven. We can and should walk around without sin on this earth, but one day even the curse of sin will be removed. Look at the book of Revelation. I got it in your notes. Verse, uh, chapter 21, verse 4. comes along and it says, Jesus, he, he will wipe every tear from their eyes. Now why is that? Because there's no more sin, and sin causes tears. The old order is gone. Uh, uh, there will be no more death. Why? Because there's no more sin, or mourning, or crying, or pain. For the old order of things has passed away. They will get to a place where temptation won't even reign. But for right now, we get to experience a little bit of heaven by the cleansing power of Jesus Christ, the presence of the Holy Spirit, to a place where we don't walk in sin. I know you're here struggling with something. We're all learning. We're struggling with something. We're on the way. But you and I, we've defeated many things. I hope that we have defeated many things, many sins that used to hold and bind us down. Because every one of you here, if you're sitting here and you're saying, well, you know, there's some sins that we will almost always commit. Do you want to, can you give me a list of them? And I always ask this question when I have this conversation with people. What sins do you not expect me to commit? People, you, you cannot, you know, you, you can't not sin, but it, we really don't expect you to take any money out of the offering plate. Why not if I'm supposed to sin? If I'm going to sin, just can't resist it. It, it, it. Practically speaking, you expect more. You didn't teach your kids, I know you're going to steal, so go ahead. Try not to. You said, no, it's wrong. Don't you ever, ever, ever do it. And now the cleansing power in the midst of God's people, angels ministering, helping those who are wanting to live right. Folks, let us step up to what the Scriptures teach. Let's buy into I find it quite interesting. You can, you can advertise for some soap or some laundry. You know, at our house, we use gain to clean our, 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 our clothes. And the reason we use gain, it's the cheapest. And we look at some advertisement, we pick it up, we buy it, certain soap to wash our cars, our, our clothes, whatever it might be, and we buy it, lava. When I was in a welding shop, we used lava because it's got sand and it gets everything out of your you know, pores and everything. And we buy into it, and the scripture comes along and says, Jesus came to separate us from our sins, and for whatever reason, we don't buy into it. Let's buy in to what the scripture says. Let's get up every day and say, it is my expe your expectation is with your power that I can live without sin. And when that temptation comes and you beat it, you've had a little taste of heaven, the cleansing that will come for once and for all. We get a spiritual cleansing here on earth. It's a little bliss. It's a little taste of what it will be like when this old order of things is all gone because sin, the dirt, and the filth will not exist. Number three, God in our midst. Third thing, and there's many more than this, I just wanted to give each of us a, a little bit of a taste. God in our midst, right? 
<laughs> you spend any amount of time with somebody, you can sit on a park bench and you cannot say a word and see a sunset or see the water or whatever it is and you know what the other person's thinking. You know what the other person's feeling, whether it's watching TV or doing something. You can just be in somebody else's presence. You've been with them so long, you just kind of know what it is. This is the whole purpose of the Holy Spirit living in us and the Word of God. As I read the Word of God, as I study the Word of God, as I see what it is that God wants, I enter into His presence. Most especially by His Spirit, I know what it is He wants. Something happens, I'm in His presence. People can do it ourselves. We get a little bit of a... Look at this passage of Scripture, verse 22, that says, All of this took place to fulfill what the Lord had said through the prophet. And this is from Isaiah 7, 14. The virgin will conceive and give birth to a son, and they will call him Emmanuel, which means God with us. God with us personally. The Gospel of John, the first chapter, verse 14, the Word became flesh and dwelt among us. Why is it that we could look on the face of God if Jesus was God? Because He took on flesh. Before that, you couldn't look on a holy God or you would die. But now fully God and fully man, now we can look on I don't think that oftentimes people think about that. One of the reasons that we will be able to look on the face of Jesus is because He took on flesh. If not, we would have never been able to look on him. Emmanuel, God with us. One of the reasons Jesus came was so God could be closer to mankind than ever before. Giving us the spirit to live inside of us. To guide and direct us. To remind us of things. God has made a way for us to experience his presence while we live on this earth. And isn't that what heaven is going to be like always? We get a little bit of the presence of God. In heaven, it'll be always, always, always like that. We experience Him in a time of worship. We we look at the kids up here, and we just see the joy in parents' face, and we see the innocence of kids, and we know how much God loves children. And every once in a while, we need to say, man, that's how my God looks at me. No matter how old you get, you're not as old as God. You ain't even close to being a grandpa. Not even close. We experience him in worship. We read the word. Why did God make this promise to us? That God would be with us to bridge the gap between now on earth and eternity. To plant in our hearts a little bit of bliss so we would know that eternity exists. Do you have that presence of the Lord? Or maybe you're just here today. Maybe you're like me. Maybe you just kind of been a little bit religious. I was a little bit religious. Had a title, Christian. Went to a certain denomination, whatever. Don't, 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 don't be fooled. Don't be the one that thinks they're safe and, and not safe. Check and ask yourself the question, do you have, do you experience that? 1 Corinthians, the 13th chapter, really kind of a eye-opening, but a little bit of a bizarre passage. In 1 Corinthians 13, 12, For now we see only reflection as in a mirror. For now we see little bits. In our life, you and I get little bits of bliss. Little taste, little bits of this and that. Then we shall see face to face. Now I know in part, then I shall know fully, even as I am fully known. 
We see spiritual things dimly now. We experience little things, little like sputters, you know. It's like, it's, it's like trying to start. It's like, it's like trying to get that mower, Dan. It's like trying to get that mower to start. It's sputter and sputter and sputter. And, and that's what we're doing. We're sputtering. We get it and we get it and we get these little bits of bliss. But it's not ongoing yet. It will be, like the passage says, one day in heaven we'll see clearly. We do see a little something of heaven here on earth. In the book of Revelation, there's a list of what we don't need in heaven. You ever, you ever take a look at that list? I think of two or three things. There's no more water, there's no more sea, and there's no more sun. Do you know what makes this earth special? They may be going to Mars. Good luck. They're not finding any life over there. Unless they turn on my favorite Martian, for those of you who are older than I am. You know. We have water, the perfect distance from the sun, I find it amazing in the book of Revelation in heaven. No more water needed. No more sun is needed because the Lord is there. He's the sustainer of life with all of this stuff that we need. So the sun is given to us to say, you need something to sustain you. The water is given to you know, you need something to sustain you. And all these crazy nuts about worrying about the, the climate change, they said they're going to be gone in 10 years. I, I hope they are gone in 10 years. They can go faster than that as far as I'm concerned. But see, we're not going to need it. A little bit of a blitz to put your head together, put your mind together, put your intellect together and say, yeah, oh yeah, we're going to need something to sustain us because all of this isn't. The scripture says it will be God himself. I have a graphic up here for you of the, uh, of the this is what we're giving out on Christmas Eve. This was started as just a drop-off slab of junk. Drop-offs where Tom Hanzak works. Just a piece of plastic. He took it. He got the image. He got the thought of what we're doing. You know, on Christmas morning, the greatest gift that was given, a free gift to each and every one of you here. But him, Tom, being the creator and, and the one who knows how to run a machine, and see, he created all of this. And it brings it about. He took something that was basically pretty much nothing. He crafted it, and here's the results. And folks, I know sometimes you feel in this life that you're just, like just a drop-off piece of plastic. And maybe, you know, God has started to create something in you. And you're starting to see something, or maybe you don't have a clue. But I do know this. When you get to heaven, you'll be, you'll be finished. You'll be finished. Your life will be finished. And it'll just be beginning just completed. This was done by a craftsman known as Tom Hanzak. You are done by a craftsman known as God the Creator. Little bits of heaven that give us little bits of bliss. And I love the word where we're oblivious to other things. That's what, that's what heaven's like. Oblivious to all of the other things that don't mount to squat. I have in your notes, it's just a morsel, right? Now and then, you just get a little bit of a morsel. You get a little taste here and there. You kind of wish it would last longer. You know, that, that presence coming in the presence of the Lord, that time of prayer, that love, that joy, you know, that new car smell and feel, but it's gone after a little bit of time. I know that some of the things that happen in us, that's what happens. But I do know this. You know, you really don't have a chocolate chip cookie unless you've got a few morsels of semi-chocolate in it. On the bag, it says morsels. And you don't really have a cookie unless you got about five or six of those in it. I mean, you got dough, but you don't have a cookie. 
And you don't really have a life unless you see and recognize the little bits, the little morsels of eternal bliss that God has planted in our lives to let us know He exists, He loves us, there's a better place than this. There's a place called eternity. The Bible says eternity is planted in the hearts of all people. It makes so much sense to me. The asterisk in your notes, central point. Can I just challenge you? Don't ignore the little bits of eternal bliss on this earth. You have problems. I got problems. I got situations. I'm concerned about things you are. These little bit, they help us get through the tough times. God's promise of eternity is something we can put our faith in. Much better days are ahead. Mainly because in eternity, there are no days. There are no days. God has placed this message on my heart to let you know He loves you, He cares about you, He wants you to be encouraged. You need the morsels to make a good chocolate chip cookie. Maybe you'd like your whole cookie to be nothing but chocolate. Well, that ain't now. In your notes, the last thing, hold on for now. Hold on for now. This isn't your final home. This isn't my final home. The Christmas story of Mary and Joseph and the birth of Jesus remind us that what we expect is that there's spiritual realities out there. There are spiritual realities. There are angels in our midst. Every once in a while, we don't even know that they're there, but the Bible says, you know, greet people with hospitality. You know, there's a cleansing from sin. It's possible on this side of eternity. Jesus came to separate Apo, us from our sin, and Emmanuel, God with us. The presence of the Lord. I believe that the presence of the Lord may be the most powerful thing to help us live on this earth. That's why in dark times in the Scripture... It says, though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil, for God is with me. For God is with me. Sometimes we have to practice the presence of the Lord. It's the one most powerful thing that helps us in this life, and maybe the thing that we're not experiencing enough. I would say to you that the next time you're in a grocery store, Sam's Club, Giant Eagle, Heinen's, when they're giving out little samples, Heinen's is too uppity to do samples. When you're in and they're handing out little bits of samples and they give you that thimble full of chili and you just want to eat the whole doggone thing, it just, they'll, don't even start, come on. They give you a posted size little piece of a, of a pizza. The whole purpose is, is they want you to buy the whole big thing. And I believe that if you're a Christian or a non-Christian, I believe you receive little bits of eternal bliss. Times that you're oblivious to other things, they're still there so that you know that there's an eternity. And maybe you're here today. You were kind of like that woman who in 2014, she got lost and didn't know she was the one they were looking for. She didn't know she was missing. Is it possible today... You are like I was when I was 25 years old, lost, and didn't know who was looking for me. I didn't. I was just out. I, I, was, out, I was out in a search party. I was out. I was doing the best I could to be a Christian. I had a title. I was a Christian. I went to certain places at the other, but I was lost. And I just wonder today if that might be you.
Would you bow your heads with me as we get ready to close this morning? Lord, I pray that the little bits of eternity that you have given us to show that there is an eternity, the bliss that we experience points us to, it helps us know, helps us see you exist. There is an eternity where it won't be little bits, it'll be forever and ever and eternal. And for the one that is here today who doesn't realize, only by the Holy Spirit could they know today, you've been looking for them. They thought that they were okay. They were maybe in the search party. They were in the church. They come to church, but they're lost. Only by your Spirit could they know that. I ask you to speak that to them, Lord. Doubt is a good thing. May they have a doubt that brings them to a reality. Lord Jesus, I make myself available for anybody that has that sense today. I say to you, call me. I say to you, open the Scriptures, text me, whatever it might be. May this Christmas 2019 be a Christmas when you truly serve it as one who knows Jesus Christ. I pray in Jesus' name. Amen.